we will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail. Period. June 1st, 2023. That means it's Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride to you and your gay dog and your trans uncle aunts and everybody you know. Get out there and drink some Bud Light and go to Target and tuck it and all that stuff. Oh my God, we're so excited here at the Ruben Report. I'm Dave Ruben. I really was not in the mood to do that this morning. I don't know. It was a long night with the kids. The team put me up to it. It's Pride Month. It's like being smacked in the head with a giant sledgehammer. May God have mercy on our souls. May we get through these 30 days and roll into July with our genitals attached. Head on straight. Pray. If you pray, now is the time. Guys, we're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not joined us on Locals yet, we do a post-game wrap-up show there every day at rubenreport.locals.com. Of course, we have an iOS app and an Android app, and we are doing a community Q&A today after I hit a couple stories up top. So if you want to still get your questions in last minute, we'll take them on the fly, rubenreport.locals.com. The theme of Today's great program. I don't even know what that voice is exactly. It's, it's like, what is it? I don't know exactly. Um, the theme of today's program, uh, I was watching on the Twitter last night, which Twitter has shifted a little more towards the, the video realm, right? They're going a little more in that YouTube rumble space, which is great. It's just great to see more products, more stuff out there. Uh, the folks at the Babylon Bee, uh, they did a long form. It was about a little over an hour long interview with Elon Musk over at Twitter. We're going to show you a couple clips of that, obviously related to free speech and everything else that's been going on lately. A little bit of the uh, the Trump DeSantis thing, which keeps heating up. And I'm really, I think, as you've tried, as you've seen uh, over the last week or so since DeSantis has announced, I'm really trying to be fair with this thing. I'm not pretending that, uh, that my feelings are not what they are. Obviously, obviously, I think DeSantis is a better choice. I supported Trump for a long time and, and happened to still like Trump to a degree. I don't like a lot of his behaviors at the end of this thing, although I would prefer that we have President DeSantis because I think that that could fix the country. I actually think that's the thing that could fix the country. If we end up with President Trump and uh, I have a governor, Ron DeSantis, right here in Florida, that would be okay too. The thing that we don't want is President Biden or Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom, God forbid, or, or whatever else. So trying to deal with that as, as decently as possible. And you, and you just got to remember, we're still a year and a half away from the election, which is just crazy. So everyone's going nuts. And it's like, calm down, everybody. And you know what? I'll get to more on that in just a sec. Let me talk to you guys about Genucel, and then we will get to it. You know, Genucel has just upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum plus ultra retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative. And right now, take advantage of this limited time package upgrade for 70% off. Why waste time and money to go get work done to your face when you can get Genucel skincare shipped right to your door? Here's a Genucel.com review from Robert in Blessing, Texas. I purchased Genucel as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw results so fast, so we joined their concierge program immediately. It's honestly the best skincare she's ever used and is extremely impressed with all 
of Genyacel's products. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. I can see and feel a difference. She has all, she was already beautiful and Genyacel has made her even more beautiful. Genyacel's secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, cruelty-free and natural. Go to genyacel.com slash Dave and save over 70% off Genyacel's most popular package featuring both the Genyacel Ultra Retinol and Genyacel Firming Serum. Don't wait. Go to genyacel.com slash Dave. That's genyacel.com and you, uh, slash Dave and you'll get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Genyacel.com slash Dave. Okay, here we go. So the Babylon Bee guys sat down with Twitter CEO Elon Musk at Twitter in the dystopian nightmare that is San Francisco. And they talked a little bit about uh, comedy and uh, why it's no longer funny. The, you know, the essence of a lot of comedy is a revealed truth, mm-hmm. um, like a hidden truth that people understand intuitively or explicitly. Um, and uh, there's that, there's that sort of moment of revealed, you know, kernel of truth, of, of, of often un- unacknowledged truth. And, and in that unacknowledged truth is the humor. If you're, you know, premised on a lie, you, you can, can no longer be funny because there's no revealed truth. Um, and this is, um, you know, why a lot, you know, a lot of people on the left have no sense of humor. They, they're not funny. Yeah, he's so right about that. I mean, think about, Think about the, just the evolution of stand-up comedy over a couple of decades. Like, just in your own head right now, do your top three favorite stand-up comics. Like, if I was doing my top three favorite all-time stand-up comics, I've probably got George Carlin uh, number one. For me, it would be George Carlin number one just because of the breadth of the work. I know a lot of people say Richard Pryor number one. I would probably put Pryor at two because I think he only had, like, two really, really great specials. Carlin had probably ten. And then I think you could maybe, you could do like a, a Bill Maher at the peak of his stand-up days. The point is, all of you right now watching this, you can think of great stand-ups. And the reason you like a stand-up, the reason they make you laugh is there is that hidden truth. And they're sort of getting you right to that line. And then through the joke, they can kind of trip over that line. And that's what the, the release is. The release is the laughter. But as so many comics went woke and became sort of lefty lunatics, we wrecked comedy to the point that nobody in there, right? When's the last time you met somebody who was like, did you see Saturday Night Live the other night? Like, how great was that? No, like, occasionally I play clips of Saturday Night Live on the show to show you how horrible it is or how they wrecked The Daily Show or they or any of the, the Tonight Show, the Late Night with Colbert, whatever any of those shows are. They're all hysterical uh, sort of partisan hackery, which is why Greg Gutfeld, who's not even a stand-up, Right. I mean, Greg was, I, I don't think he ever did stand up. Uh, he's number one in late night because he's just kind of loose and silly and it's not hyper produced or overproduced. Uh, and he's doing something that is closer to the truth because you know what his actual beliefs are on these things. Uh, the line, if you're premised on a lie, you can no longer be funny because there's no reveal of truth is, is just particularly good. And I, I think Elon, having gotten to know him a little bit, there's just sort of like a soft way. Uh, that he talks about things in in a thoughtful manner that I think is uh, particularly good. Uh, Let me just show you one other clip from the interview, and then I want to just mention the the physical location of the interview. Check out the the room that they're sitting in. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, This is Elon talking with the Babylon Bee guys about how NPR, remember how NPR had a Twitter fit because he labeled them state-sponsored media, and I'm pretty sure they're not even on Twitter anymore because of that, even though they are state-sponsored media and it used to be on their website. Take a look. 
as we've seen, we've uh, open sourced the algorithm uh, and made, an, at this point, I think, well over 100 changes. But how will we stay informed if NPR isn't there anymore? <laughs> you know, at any given point, I'm not sure if NPR is there or not. I, I wasn't aware that they were there until they said they were not going to be there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're trying to apply the rules consistently at uh, Twitter so that, you know, the NPR thing is like, well, um, if we're going to call some media state affiliated, well, there's plenty of uh, media organizations in the, in the U.S. that are, or in the West that are state affiliated. Um, so then we should apply the label equally. Um, and then uh, they got very upset about that um, and said that there will state affiliated implies that the state has editorial authority of an influence over the content and like, so you're saying you don't have that? <laughs> right. <laughs> How self-aware are you? Um, you know. It was on their website. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they, they well, NPR literally on their own, exactly, on their own yeah. website said, you know, government funding is essential to their operation. Right. And, and so we even changed it from uh, state affiliated to state funded. So that's just literally a statement of fact. Right. I mean, we, we could actually just lift the same text from their website and put it at the label. <laughs> and, but they're still, and they're unhappy with that. Yeah, they're unhappy with that. The reason I really wanted to show you this clip, I get it, none of you love NPR and you don't care whether NPR is on Twitter anymore. And yes, it was a statement of fact saying you are state-funded media. It used to literally be on NPR's.org website that they were state-funded. Uh, but the reason I really wanted to show you that was because, you know, we we deal with all this like woke nonsense through these corporations. And I show you these clips of the Target CEO or the Chick-fil-A CEO or the Bud Light marketing executive all bowing to wokeness. No one's saying what they really believe. All like they're reading a script. You know, we showed you even the the Toronto Blue Jays pitcher yesterday, you know, with his with his really horrible apology struggle, Mao-style struggle session where he's just apologizing for having liked a, an Instagram post about a boycott of Target. The point is that so few people are actually willing to tell the truth, or certainly uh, they're not willing to tell the truth in any sort of nuanced way with a little bit of humor and everything else. And that's what, you know, having been to Twitter a couple times uh, and spent some time with Elon, like the guy is just trying to do the right thing. It's it's just become so like patently obvious to me. And I think that's important. And it's sort of, you know, what I always tell you with DeSantis, it's like, he's trying to do the right thing. It, that's worthy of being modeled. It's worthy of being lifted so that other people can hopefully do that too. And he is doing that. I just want to mention one other thing about the locale that they're doing that in. So that was at the Twitter offices. And if you go back later uh, and you rewind and you watch, you know, they sort of blurred out the background, but it's so interesting there because they're in this massive building uh, on, I, I think it's on Market Street. It's a, pu it's a public building. I'm not, I'm not doxing Twitter. They've got a big sign that says Twitter outside. Um, it used to be like a great area in San Francisco. Now, obviously, with the homelessness and the drugs and everything else, absolutely horrible. Actually, I was standing in the office and Elon was just like pointing around, just showing us where like the worst pockets of insanity are. Don't walk down that street, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he came in there. And as you guys know, they had about 7,500 employees, immediately fired half. He's still been firing people, still thinks he has people in there that he's got to get rid of. But the point of all that is they have this huge space that uh, when you talk about dystopian San Francisco, now you've got a massive tech company, perhaps the most important tech company in the entire world in terms of the way we can communicate these days about the important issues. And there's basically nobody there. So what you're seeing behind them is this giant commissary that used to be there to feed three meals a day, thousands of employees, and it's just absolutely empty. 
So uh, all of that being said, Elon, if you're watching today, we'd be happy to have you in Miami. Uh, I wanna jump to one other uh, topic, uh, somewhat loosely affiliated with truth and lies. Uh, you may have seen this tweet two days ago uh, from disgraced former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. Now, of course, Andrew Cuomo, you remember Andrew Cuomo. He's the one that ordered all of the elderly people with COVID back into the old age homes, thus killing really an untold amount of people. If you want more on that story, check out my interview with Janice Dean. Uh, Fox meteorologist Janice Dean, whose in-laws both died because of Cuomo policies on that. Uh, anyway, here is a tweet from Andrew Cuomo from two days ago. Donald Trump tells the truth finally. New York got hit first and worst, but New Yorkers acted responsibly. Florida's policy of denial allowed COVID to spread, and that's why they had a very large second wave. Uh, so first, I just want to mention, it's a little sort of hilarious to now see Andrew Cuomo and Donald Trump on the same side. But, you know, we've also got Donald Trump and MSNBC on the same side when it comes to Ron DeSantis. Um, it's, it's also like just a complete rewriting of history and everything else. Cuomo should be embarrassed for the rest of his life and never be in public office ever again after what he did related to the old age homes. And also, even though Actually, if you look at the total amount of deaths, if we're to trust these numbers, Florida and New York had about the same, but it's not about deaths per se, because you have to look at age of population. Florida has the second oldest population. And you also have to look at what is the role of government? Was it the role of government to lock you in your house? Who were the officials who started realizing, oh, we should get kids back at school. We shouldn't be locking everyone down and closing businesses and all of those things. So even if one state had significantly better numbers, the question is, are all the draconian measures worth it? Is that what the purpose of government and having rules and regulations are? Uh, that's a debate that we should all have. But if at the end of the day, you think that New York and or California, et cetera, did a better job than Florida. I got a bridge to sell you, people. I really do. Anyway, Trump's been uh, going after DeSantis relentlessly and, and attacking Florida. We played the, he went after Kayleigh McEnany yesterday, which I think actually has shifted things a little bit. You know, it's one thing when Trump goes after all of like the, the deep state people, or he goes after like middle management government people, CIA people, et cetera, et cetera. But Kaylee was so outwardly a, a defender of him and did it so well at the height of COVID with the hostile media that I even saw some of Trump's most loyal backers yesterday finally being like, enough is enough. Like this guy who talks about loyalty all the time, who has he not turned against? I, I, ask, I would ask you that. Who has he not turned against? How is it possible that everyone he's ever worked with is a sellout and a rhino and a globalist and an idiot, whether it's Christopher Ray, or it's John Bolton, or it's Chris Christie, or it's Kaylee, like everybody has somehow turned against him and it's always their fault. Like it doesn't quite make sense. Anyway, DeSantis was campaigning yesterday in Iowa and uh, somebody in the media asked him about Trump's attacks in Florida. I thought this response was pretty solid. So you talked about uh, changing your tone a little bit with former President Trump. I don't believe you mentioned him here by name tonight, but does this mean you're going to be a bit more aggressive with campaigning against him? So look, going I'm going to respond to uh, attacks. 
I mean, if, if you say Cuomo did a better job with COVID than Florida did, first of all, that's not what he used to say. This is like new, like six months ago, he would have never said that, right? He used to say how great Florida was. Hell, his whole family moved to Florida under my governorship. Are you kidding me? Um, so, so some of this stuff, I think, is, look, if someone is saying that, I am going to counterpunch. I'm going to fight back on it. I'm going to focus my fire on Biden. And I think he should do the same. He gives Biden a free pass. Um, I'm focusing on Biden. That's my focus. You know, it's not that hard to speak clearly when you're telling the truth, right? It's just as simple as that. It's not that hard to be funny when you're doing something true, to link it to what we were talking about a moment ago. Uh, but it is true. Like, all of Trump's family lives here now. Uh, several of his kids and all of his grandchildren moved to Florida during COVID because of the policies of Ron DeSantis. Trump is not attacking Biden at all. I would recommend you look at Trump's Truth Social feed. You could look at Jason Miller, who I think is the campaign manager. Look at his Twitter. It's all against DeSantis, right? And DeSantis said the right thing. I'm not going to spend all day attacking him, but I will respond to attacks. And again, the reason I'm laying this out for you guys the way I am is I think there is a more mature way to do all of this. And we're starting to see it. It is being born. And I don't think we want it to be stillborn. I think we want it to be born and given a chance to grow. And uh, I think that is what I will do as we continue this crazy year and a half. All right, we got a locals community Q&A for you. Before we get to it, let me talk to you guys about Old Guard Pet Food. Don't all dog food companies want the best for your dog? Well, no, not really. Pet food companies are pushing trendy ingredients and expensive recipes like fresh and raw but are they better? No. In fact, most of no proven health benefits for your dog also watches these dog food companies release bug and vegan recipes. It'll show you where their priorities really are. If you don't want to compromise on high quality ingredients and want science-backed recipes, real proven science, not Fauci science, get Old Guard. It's the only pet food company founded and run by a PhD in pet nutrition with quality ingredients like real chicken, egg, fish oil, fish oil, and probiotics. Old Guard's recipes are perfectly balanced with health benefits as, uh, and a taste your dog will love. Everything, including their resealable bags, are made right here in the United States. So right now, go to oldguardpetco.com. Subscribe today, and it'll be delivered right to your door using code DAVE for a discount. With Old Guard, you don't have to compromise ingredient quality, your dog's health, or your traditional American values. Buy from a company that puts your dog first. Clyde's loving the treats. And now back to me. Okay, rubenreport.locals.com, community Q&A. Casey says, it used to be that a person would get arrested for public indecency, but put pride in front of it, and it's fine. Why? It, it's so bizarre. Again, every time we have to cover one of these stories, I go out of my way to say, whatever you want to do as an adult with another consenting adult in the privacy of your own home or, or at a club or somewhere where it's adults only, do whatever the hell you want. That's my position on it. It's a more libertarian position. I want people to not infringe on my rights to live as I wish, and I, that's a two-way street. That's the way I view it. I know some people may have a slightly different view on it. That's okay, too. Uh, but this bizarre notion that it has to be done in front of children or it has to be done in public, that you have to wear assless chaps to celebrate pride in front of children as some guy in a dog costume spanks you, I, I just... It's just, come on, come on. 
we all know it's not right. So th that's why it's such a damn shame because this, this LGBTQ2 spirit nonsense, all these letters together, this ridiculous month, you know what happens every month? It's I saw it already this morning. All of these companies in America, you know, you see it like BMW and all the beer companies and everybody else, they all put their American logos now or in a logos, uh, in, in a rainbow on Twitter. So if you open up Twitter, you'll see all these American companies just rainbow their same logo, but with rainbow backgrounds. Then if you look at their Middle Eastern counterparts, you know, if you look at like Mercedes-Benz Saudi Arabia, odd, no, no rainbow logo there. Makes you wonder. It's all virtue signaling nonsense and enough, enough is enough guys. Enough is, I will not be celebrating Pride. I mean, I think maybe we're gonna have like, a, we were thinking about having chicken Caesar salads for dinner tonight, but I don't know if that's a real celebration. Whatever. Uh, Dave says, would you ever do a debate with Don Jr., you representing Ronnie D and his, uh, him representing his father? I think it would be a good way to show conservatives how their policies differ and you two would be able to shake hands and agree to disagree. So uh, actually, um, I mentioned this in the post-game show yesterday, uh, but I may as well say it publicly now and uh, is what it is. Uh, you know, I've been thinking for a while, Don and I have been friends for a long time, over a decade, before his dad was in politics and everything else. Uh, we had a connection in New York City from way back when. He was doing my show on Sirius XM probably in like 2011, something like that. Um, got to know each other pretty well. We've broken bread many times together. I consider Kimberly a friend as well, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, I obviously, as this thing has heated up and I've been going after Trump, I've, I've been feeling a little bit of like, I, I don't want this to ruin friendships. I know that that is very hard these days. It's hard for everybody but I really don't want it to ruin friendships. And I texted Don a couple days ago and I just said, hey Don, you know, I know we may end up on different sides for a while, but I want you to know I value friendship more than politics and we were friends before your dad was in and I hope we'll be friends after. Within two seconds, like as if he had must've been ha holding his phone in his hand, he responded with almost the exact same thing right back at me, almost the exact same thing. So we are totally good, we are gonna be good. I don't go after the family. As you can see, I go out of my way to tell you that these are good people and all of that stuff. Um, and yes, I will gladly have a sit down with Don. He doesn't drink, I was gonna say we do it over a drink. He doesn't drink, but we can just do it. We can talk politics and not, not talk politics and, and all that stuff. And I think everything will be fine. So I'll, I'll reach out to him privately on that one as well. Uh, Bonnie says, why the hell would Trump attack Kaylee McEnany? Does he kick puppies too? Are we absolutely sure he doesn't drink? I really think DeSantis has a good chance of beating him. He can't stop himself from attacking people he considers unloyal. It's causing him to lose support. He lost me. Well, that's why I'm saying, I think this Kaylee thing, something shifted there. I'm telling you, when, when he goes after guys like John Bolton, nobody suddenly is like, I love John Bolton and I can't support you anymore because of your, you turned on John Bolton or you turned on Christopher Ray, or you turned on Chris Christie or the long list of people. You turned on Michael Cohen, you turned on the, you know, Comey. You, nobody cares. I'm telling you, there was a, di a really different tangible feeling yesterday. Like people were just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's too obvious. Kaylee's job, she was the front-facing person, the press secretary, right? How many times have I shown you videos of ridiculous Corinne Jean-Pierre? That, that was Kaylee's job at the height of COVID. And you also have to remember where Corinne Jean-Pierre goes against the lapdog media. She was going after a rapidly insane media, impeachments, COVID, all of the craziness, right? And she could not have been classier, could not have been more cogent, cleaner, more prepared, the best of what you would want out of someone working with a president that you support, right? So for him to turn on her 
And again, it's like, I get it. He turns on everybody. It's part of the thing and all that. But in this case, maybe if, if he would ever listen to, the, to this guy on his shoulder instead of always listening to this guy, maybe he could have been just texted her. Just texted her and say, hey, I was watching Fox this morning. I think you got these numbers screwed up. Maybe you could fix that up later. She's on Fox all day long doing different stuff. But unfortunately, that he doesn't seem to have that within him. And I, I, I wish he did. And if he'll sit down with me in it for an interview, I will lay it out exactly like that. Uh, Mike says, hey, Dave, with all the different companies going woke, followed by massive boycotts, which company or product was the most difficult for you to stop supporting? I got to tell you that the Target thing, I don't like beer. I'm not a beer guy. So Bud Light, not a problem. If, uh, if my Class Azul tequila went woke, although the bottle is pretty gay, come to think of it, uh, <laughs> it would be a problem. Um, the Target thing, you know, Target, especially as we're, we're new parents here, Target to just go into that store and everything's kind of cheap. You pretty much can get any, anything. As I said yesterday, you can get like Elmer's glue, you can get an air fryer, you can get a basketball, you can get a gallon of milk. Like it's all basically there. There is something nice about that. But really like I've just had enough of these stores. So, you know, I, but it's one of those things. I also don't want to buy everything on Amazon because I don't think that that's good for the economy. I don't think it's good for small businesses. I, I don't want to give Jeff Bezos all my money. So this is where we need more and more stores to hopefully come out and more and more competition. But I know it's getting harder. It's getting harder uh, because of AI, because of automation and, and a whole bunch more. Uh, Kelly says, are you finding that the always Trump people are almost as bad as the never Trump? If Trump truly loves America, he should want what's best for America. Well, look, that's, that's partly why I have tried and I will continue to try to show Trump that there is an off-ramp here. Look, it is very possible that Trump's going to win this thing and DeSantis will flare out somehow and it just won't work and it didn't scale. Okay, I, I have done so far what I think is right and I will continue to do that. That's all that I can do, right? If I'm going to do this for a living, that's what I could do. I could tell you what I think. It is what it is. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but for Trump, you know, I think, I think what's happening, it doesn't strike me that he has a real campaign at the moment. I don't know who's working for him. He doesn't seem to be on the ground that much. He's just sending out, uh, you know, truth social posts, attacking the guy that he claims to be 30 points ahead of. That makes no sense. It just makes no sense. The off-ramp here is, hey, if you lose a couple of these early states, or you just see the tea leaves changing. He knows DeSantis is not a bad guy, the same way he knows that Kaylee is not a bad gal. So if he sees the tea leaves changing, he could just step back, step back from the abyss and be like, hey, it's actually way more important that uh, the Republicans get the presidency back. DeSantis actually is a pretty great governor. Yeah, I said some crazy shit about him, but you know, it's politics, it is what it is. I'm gonna go do some rallies. I'm gonna spend the rest of my days playing golf and having people adore me and signing things with my big crazy signature. Like there's such an easy out here of being the kingmaker. The problem is it, it doesn't go the other way, right? Because if DeSantis goes down, and Trump runs, well, the DeSantis people, I think they'll support Trump, but the question is, are there enough new voters and crossover people and everything else for Trump to win the, the presidency? I, I just don't see how that could work, but it's very clear that DeSantis can bring over crossover people. So it is what it is. Uh, Nick says, uh, no matter how good a candidate DeSantis might be, would winning the presidential primary really be a positive thing since it would likely cause Trump to run as an independent and split the Republican vote, uh, AKA the Dems win? When, um, you know, there's an issue with ballot access. I think I mentioned this the other day, like 
the Libertarian Party and the Green Party, they are on most ballots. So he could, I suppose, take over the Libertarian Party. That doesn't strike me as the type of thing that he would do. I think he would maybe, maybe try to run an America First Party, but I don't think you have enough time to get on enough ballots and get that access to really make, uh, make a move. If that's what he does, like if, if that really is what he does to guarantee a Democrat win, then, then you really have to think, like if you're a hardcore Trump guy right now and you're watching this show and you think that that's what he would do, then is this really about what's doing what's best for America or it's doing what's best for Trump? And then you have to decide whether you want to support that or not, right? Like that seems pretty clear to me. I, I don't think he's going to do the third party thing. I, again, I hope he just sees the tea leaves. He sees the landscape changing. And he likes to be liked and he should be liked and he should be thanked and all of that stuff. And then we move on. Part two of the movie. Talway says, how do you see yours and David's lives have changed since you became parents? And what things have you found out about being parents your younger self would not have believed? Well, I can give you one very immediate one. I mean, it's everything. It's literally everything. But I can give you one very immediate one, which is on uh, Thursday night. Uh, Luke, the boys have been sick. They both had uh, croup which is this kind of like old man cough and it really it takes a while to get better. And you know, obviously because they're in such close quarters, if one of them gets sick, then both of them get sick. David was a little bit under the weather. I, I was feeling a little stuffy. Uh, anyway, Luke uh, out of nowhere, like maybe uh, 10 o'clock at night or so, started just vomiting, 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 vomiting. And then like had nothing left in him and he was still having the, the, the move to vomit. And, you know, we're obviously, we're, we're very concerned. We're freaking out. We're talking to the pediatrician. She actually wasn't in town. So she's like, you, you know, you probably should go to the hospital. He started getting very pale. Like we, then that's when we really started getting worried. It was one thing with the vomiting, like maybe it was bad milk or he had had some yogurt that we thought maybe wasn't like great or whatever, uh, but he started getting really pale. Um, we get, we start going to the children's hospital and I'll tell you, like, it's weird to talk about, but like, I literally was like, talking to God on the way there. Like, I was like, take me. Like, I really was like, I, I like, don't, don't, not him. You take me now. Like I did whatever I was supposed to do. Something like that. It was really nuts. Uh, by the time we got to the hospital, he was already feeling better, had his color back and all that stuff. And then by the end, like I was blowing on his stomach and getting him to laugh and all that. And it turned out that it was just, it doesn't even matter what it was. He's completely fine. Um, all that being said, I guess it does something about perspective and what's important and all that. And I, and I also think like just relative to what I do here, um, it's one of the reasons I don't get hysterical about things. I was never like crazily hysterical to begin with and I, my temperature runs somewhat cool, but like uh, when you see the bigger picture, yeah, you get it. Uh, Amy says, prediction time. What is the next company to go woke and get Bud Lighted? All right, so we've got Bud Light, we've got Target, the Toronto Blue Jays have done it. You guys got anything? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? That's the next company that's going to go woke. Um, it could be, I mean, the thing is, it could literally be anybody, right? Like Disney, you know, what's his name? Hank Azaria from uh, The Simpsons, who's like the best voiceover guy ever, won't do Wapu anymore. It's all so stupid. It, it rampages through everything. It creates nothing except bad products, basically. Uh, and hostility, what's the next company? I, I, who could, there's just no way you could guess because it literally could be anybody. Uh, Elizabeth says, what's your favorite thing you and David have done with the boys so far? Is there a particular outing that was more fun than the others? They're such cuties. Um, you know, we did the beach thing with them, which was tough. It really was tough. It was a hot day. We went around like 11 a.m., which was, you know, like peak of the day. And, you know, you build a tent and it's sweaty and poop. 
and sand getting everywhere and milk is warm and like it was it was a lot and it's hot in the car and all, all that stuff the, the the boys are like unbelievably well behaved and they barely cry and they're always smiling and like we're really blessed in that sense uh, but that was a tough day um we have a we have a great a really great botanical garden not too far from us and we take them there and we kind of wander through and you know there's all sorts of birds and there's turtles and fish and all kinds of that that stuff we justin will take some uh, some pellets and throw it in the water and like yeah that's just like a nice calm play you know just botanical gardens in general are pleasant and lovely so there you go uh leslie says what do you think about what sunny hostin said on the view about white women voting the way their husbands do myself i am libertarian my husband is full-on republican and we are quote unquote white uh, so if you didn't see it, we, we spared you guys. Did we play one clip from The View this week? Nothing. Nothing from The View this week. You're welcome, people. Uh, Sonny Hostin, who is just a deeply unlikable racist lunatic. She basically said that Republican men uh, have, in essence, scared their wives to the point that their wives then vote Republican. I actually think this is completely the reverse. And I've mentioned this before. I've called this the blowjob theory. And the blowjob theory is that the average guy goes to work, does whatever he does, he comes home and he just wants peace and it would be nice to get a blowjob. And his wife, women tend to be more Democrat for a series of reasons. A lot of it has to do with the pro-life thing or whatever, whatever the reasons are, especially middle-class women, right? So the guy generally doesn't want to get into politics because he would like a blowjob and you can't blame him for it. This is, they're not doing this on MSNBC, I'll tell you that much. Anyway, uh, I think actually it's the reverse of what Sonny Hostin said. I don't think the men are pushing the women to be Republicans. I think a lot of the women have so grabbed these guys by the balls that the men are voting Democrat or at least saying they're voting Democrat just to keep peace in the home and get the occasional blowjob. I really think that you can, that's what it's gonna say years from now on Dave Rubin's Wikipedia. What, what did he do? He came up with the great blowjob theory. Cool Mom says, it feels like we won't have any choices or products left to purchase soon. Are there wealthy Republicans talking about going in on any ventures? Who can we uh, buy from uh, besides Amazon? Yeah, you know, I mean, I sort of addressed this already. We just need more and more competition. We need that parallel economy on all fronts. Look, what I think, you know, Twitter has shifted in, in our direction. Obviously what we're doing with Rumble and Locals, that's on the tech side. Uh, we need, there are now dating apps, literally for, uh, you know, the Big Ten conservative thing. Uh, we need everything, like stop funding your own demise. So next time you need, you're, you're like, you know what I need today? I, I actually have to pick up an air fryer and some glue and a basketball and a gallon of milk. Target's right there, but actually I could drive a little bit further and go to this other store. You know what? You might want to do that. And I know it's a pain in the ass and, we, and I'm not sitting here telling you I never order from Amazon or that I'll never walk into a Target again. We all have our own pressures. We all have nonsense going on, like all that stuff. But I think, uh, I think if you just do whatever it is you can do in your life, like even if it doesn't affect the grand scheme of things, like I think it gives you a little something and that probably is worth it. Uh, Angel says, if Trump wins the nomination and the presidency, who's gonna wanna work for him? It seems like he throws everyone under the bus. I think this is a major problem. That's why I'm saying who's working for him now? Who are his surrogates now? You know, there's a couple people online that I see just like relentlessly screaming and saying crazy things about DeSantis all day long. But I don't know who's really working 
poor Trump. Who's in that inner circle? You know, when I've been around the DeSantis team, he's got a freaking tight team of people and you can, and they, they all seemingly are pros. His team doesn't have leaks. There's a, there's a machine being built behind him that you can see will be an effective machine if it was to move on to the White House. Is there any reason to believe that Trump who had all the leaks and, and I get it, the machine was working against him and they've thrown everything at him and all of that fine. But is there any reason to think that suddenly he'll be in the White House again? Like imagine if it actually happened. And then suddenly he won't have the leaks and he'll have great people around him. Like if you, if you were a great, uh, let's say someone who wanted to be press secretary, right? So what Kaylee was, what Corinne Jean-Pierre is now, would you want that risk, right? So Trump had Sean Spicer, who I had on last week. He had Sarah Huckabee Sanders. He had Kaylee. I think there might've been one other one, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but like who would want that job knowing, knowing for sure that he will turn on you if you ever say anything? That's a huge problem. And, and keep, you have to staff with so many people. And also remember this, the whole, uh, the whole energy, the whole inertia behind what he's doing right now is I'm gonna drain the swamp. If you're gonna drain the swamp, you need a freaking army of all-stars behind you. I, I just don't see how those people materialize. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Cam says, what are your thoughts on doing away with the Federal Reserve? From what I've read, the Fed isn't really doing the job it was created to. Might we be better off with a monetary board that meets frequently and is made up of real economists? Yeah, you know, the, the it, yes. <laughs> In essence, yes, I would recommend that you watch a couple videos by uh, Ron Paul, who's been talking about this for probably about 40 years, but the Federal Reserve has probably long uh, past its uh, expiration date. You know, nothing that we're doing monetarily makes sense anymore. All of this debt ceiling fight. And, you know, yesterday we announced, announced another 300 million to Ukraine. Like all of the money stuff seems like it's made up. We know that half of the country, or at least one of the political parties now believes you can endlessly print money and that money shouldn't be backed by anything, say the gold standard. Uh, they don't believe that that then causes inflation so that when they print money, they then also will at the same time write something called the Inflation Reduction Act as they're causing inflation. So I don't know, we could use some seventh grade math, I suppose. Maybe that would be a good first step. Uh, Kristen says, if DeSantis manages to win the primary and become the GOP nominee, who do you think he should choose as his VP pick and why? I think it should be you. Oh God, um, probably not me. Uh, I'm very happy here in Florida. If for no other reason that I don't want to leave Florida, right? Like I don't want to go to DC. It's, I don't like it. I, I used to like DC. I don't like it. Maybe I would like it if he was president. And actually when Trump was president, there was a cool vibe in DC, but I just love Florida. My life is good. I, I don't think I want to do that. Uh, if I was ever called on to serve in some way, it's not going to be for vice president, but if I ever got a call would you serve your country in X, Y, Z capacity? Of course, there would be some conversations about it, but I, I love, I genuinely, I love what I'm doing. My life is good right now. I'm working on a whole bunch of other things that we hopefully will be laying out for you guys over the next couple months. And like, it, it's all good here. Um, who would be a good VP choice for him? Well, I'll give you a couple interesting ones for sure. Uh, how about a Tulsi Gabbard? How about a disaffected former Democrat, current member of the military serving right now widely liked by that, let's say, center-right and some center-left people who are the people who could shift their vote. Um, I, you know, she's, she's extremely well-spoken and just really, really nice and pleasant. She actually came by uh, last week. She was in town for a minute, just came by to see the boys. She's just, she's just a great human being. 
And wouldn't that be nice? And as I always say, think how different the Democrat Party would feel right now if Biden would have chose her instead of Kamala Harris. There would have been an iota of sanity over there, which there is not right now. So I think she would be a really interesting choice. Um, it would also show, you know, because DeSantis clearly is to the right at this point of Trump, it might also show a little more crossover appeal that again would help with those center people who are trying to make some sense of what's going on here. I think that's one. Um, look, there's, there's identity politics versions of this where it's like you could take a guy like Tim Scott who happens to be you know, an excellent senator, I think, and then it does like check some idiotic, you, know, you don't wanna do it because of that, but it does check a box. But I guess choosing Tulsi also checks a certain box in that she's a woman. Um, I could see him going a completely other route. Like you could, you could take a guy, a guy like Glenn Youngkin and be like, all right, now we have two freaking highly competent, absolute gubernatorial all-stars and we are now assembling the dream team here, right? And now let's figure out who does that put us with as attorney general and surgeon general and you know all, all of the other primo positions, right? Um, I think that one could sort of be interesting. I'll try to throw you one more that might be a little more out there. Well, it's not gonna be Trump. I'm telling you now, it's not gonna be Trump and Trump is not gonna choose DeSantis. Like we just have to accept that that is what it is. Uh, but anyway, it should, be, it should be interesting and we shall see. We got one more question for you. Did we lose that one last question? Oh, there we go. Uh, Ray says, what is your favorite summertime spot? Uh, you know, we have a, I can't tell you exactly, because if I tell you, then some weirdo is going to show up there and ruin it for me. But there is a spot not too far from my house that has a great little outdoor bar it, with a beautiful view. And just, I get my little, uh, I'm usually doing uh, the Paloma. I like a Paloma. And I just sit and chat. And, you know, David and I don't get out too often now. We, we like to cook anyway, so we, ne we never went out a ton. Usually if we're doing something, it's with the team. Uh, but now with the boys, it's particularly hard to get out. But like, we'll just, every now and again, if grandma's in town, we can get out and just go relax. And, uh, but I would say by and large, like my favorite summertime spot overall, like you give me a good day on the beach. I guess on, in that case, grandma's watching the kids and we're just kind of laying there watching the ocean. I am very happy and good to go. I feel very good about this Q&A today. We did a little bit of everything. Uh, the tone was just right. And on this Pride Month, let's just, you know, continue to be very prideful about uh, immutable characteristics because that's the most important thing about us. Okay, we've got a cold close for you and then uh, we'll see everybody at rubenreport.com. <laughs> rubenreport.locals.com. What, what voice is that? That's a different voice. This is tough. All right, see ya. I'm going to need to go ahead and move you downstairs into storage B. No, we I, I uh, have could some not new people get, coming in and no, we need all the space we can get. But there's no space. So if you could in, just go ahead and it, pack up your it, stuff it, and move it down there, but no, that would be terrific. I, I, I was no, okay. I could stay. It, excuse me. Yeah, I, I believe you have my stapler. It,
Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.